I did. Have a look at those around you, in front of you, behind you. Give them a smile. If you want to, tell them how good looking they look. Because we're going to pray for them right now. So whether you're used to praying or not, we're going to pray a blessing on those people around us as we come to pulling apart God's word. Loving God, we thank you for the people who are in front of us, behind us, and either side. Whether we know them or not, Lord, we thank you that they're here and we thank you that you want to speak to them. So bless them, Lord, with your presence. Bless them, Lord, with your voice so that they can hear what they need to hear in the glory of your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, Kelly and I uh, have been doing some renovation work and occasionally, very occasionally, we get to do some work around our, our own home. And, uh, and uh, we decided that we're going to move our pool fence. And to do this, we cleared off this whole block of land and moved our pool fence. And, uh, and so we had this beautiful bare patch of earth in our backyard. And then something really bizarre started to happen. Without us doing anything, green things started to emerge out of this patch called weeds and we thought you know what we've got a couple of sunny days we're going to spray these suckers and we're going to get rid of them and so we sprayed them and they died and then more weeds popped up and I've been thinking about these weeds as I spend my quiet time looking out into my garden I was pondering on it and I I pondered upon this thought and it might be not new to you and it's not really new to me but it's worth reminding that most good things grow when they're cared for and the things that aren't cared for that grow wildly usually aren't that good. And so if you want a fruit tree to be good, you've got to care for it, don't you? You've got to prune it. Something called gardening, I'm not really a big fan, but you've got to look at, if you, if you want plants to live, you've got to water them. You've got to do things like this, but those rules don't apply to weeds. You can have the most arid land, it can have no nutrients on the soil, and you know what a weed can grow in it. I've got bark in my backyard that's meant to stop weeds, and weeds still grow in it. And it's like that also when it comes to us uh, wanting to encourage our children to grow. So Nathaniel, if we left Nathaniel to grow by himself, there's a good chance that he's not going to turn into the strapping good man that he's going to be because he's got a mum and dad who loves him and a mum and dad who corrects him and a mum and dad who guides him. Children left to their own devices are chaotic And as I continue to ponder this thought about when we leave things alone, that they go backwards and not forwards, I think, well, you know what, if I leave exercise alone, my body's going to go backwards and not forwards. I'm going to find a couple of extra chins that I don't really need and a couple of spare tyres. In fact, if I leave my car alone and don't do any maintenance on it whatsoever you know what's going to happen. There is something 
within our world that says things only grow and work the way they're meant to when they're cared for and when they're cultivated and when they're nurtured. If we want to see children grow up to be great adults, we've got to care for them and nurture them. If we want gardens to be magnificent and beautiful and fruitful, then we've got to cultivate them. If we want to have a machinery that works the way that it's meant to, then we've got to care for it. It seems like in all spheres of our life, the only things that grow when they're not cared for are not good things. Cancer is just a growth that's growing where it's not meant to grow, in a way that it's not meant to grow. Weeds grow where they're not meant to grow. And so I wonder that if we start to look at a, a cycle in our life where we care for and, and work towards seeing things cultivated in a great way in our life. And to do that, we need to do a couple of things. We need to spend time, which I really don't like doing in the garden and that's why it's got so many weeds, We've got to be open to correction, that this is not the way it's meant to be. It's got to go a different way. We've got to set goals. This has got to be where we want to get to. And we've got to have a desire or a motivation to keep it going. And I seriously don't have any motivation for gardening or, dare I say, exercise. And so if we, we go with this premise that everything that, that happens in our life that is good, comes out of, of exercise, of, of, of putting in time, of allowing correction to come and pruning to come, of setting goals and having motivation. If we do that in our physical lives, and dare I say, do we do it in our mental lives? And I'd say, yes, we do. If we want to be physically fit, we want to be in tip-top shape, then we've got to We've got to have goals, we've got to spend time working out, we've got to have the motivation and the desire. If we want to be mentally sharp, then we've got to set goals, we've got to spend time, we've got to uh, allow correction to come and we've got to be motivated. And it is the same with our spirits as well. And at the moment we're going through a book called 1 Timothy. It's one of the letters that Paul wrote to the the church of Ephesians and he's writing to his young charge Timothy he would have been around about 30 years old yes in the old in the olden days 30 was young for a man he was reading uh, writing to Timothy to bring correction to the church and this is his advice to him and we've been going through this we're now in chapter 4 and and Paul is writing to Timothy and he and uh, the first part he writes is this If you point these things out to uh, the brothers and sisters, you will be a good minister. What are these things? That God created everything good. That's the bit beforehand. Um, You will be a good uh, minister of Jesus Christ, brought up in in the truth of the faith and of good teaching that you are to follow. Have nothing to do with godless myths or old wise tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. For physical training has some value. I'm glad it just has some. But godliness 
has value for all things, holding promise both for the present life and to the life of come. So it's saying physical fitness has a benefit for your health in this life, but spiritual fitness has a benefit for this life and the life to come. And so Paul here is writing to Timothy saying, don't have anything to do with old wise tales and myths, but train yourself in the way of God. Train yourself in the world of God. And, and it seems like Paul is saying that if you don't train yourself in the ways of God, then you will believe wives' tales and myths. They will come and permeate your life like a patch of soil where instead of good things grow up, weeds grow up. He's saying train yourself. Train yourself to be godly. I have a joy of talking to many people across society and one of the things that I see is is people actually believing myths and wise tales. They have a tendency to, uh, particularly in this day and age, cobble together a spirituality to suit their own needs. They'll take a bit of Buddhism and a bit of Christianity and a bit of this and a bit of that, and they'll muck it, to get, much it together and say, this is what I believe. And if I had the joy of sitting down with them and saying, share with me what you believe and why you believe it, you start to see that they've pulled a little bit out of grandma and a little bit out of mum and dad, a little bit off the TV, something from Facebook that looked really cute because it had an actor who supposedly said it, Man, I tell you what, those actors are busy with their quotes, aren't they? I'm sorry, Morgan Freeman didn't say whatever you think Morgan Freeman said. I'm just putting it out there. And they cobble it all together to make sense of it and, and it just is this big mashup of different things because that's what's nice and that's what's convenient. But as we learnt last week, as Steph brought the message in the morning and Alyssa at night, as we learnt last week, the church is, is designed to be the pillar of truth. And the truth is, is that we believe in the church that you can't mash up your spirituality. Because there are truths that we build our spirituality on. And those truths are that we somehow through uh, the ages have separated ourselves from God. Our sin separates ourselves from God. And God in his grace and his love sent his son Jesus to come to earth to show us what living in community with God was like. And then being fully human and fully man died on the cross so that our sins can go on there and then raise to the from the dead so that we could have new life. That's the pillar of what the Christian church believes. That, that's, that's not myths and all wise tales. That's what Paul is saying. That is what we stake our claim on. Now, you can rub against that. You can say, well, Barry, what about? And Barry, what about? And Barry, what about? You can do that to the cows come home. And I don't mind. I'll have a conversation with anybody about anything. Mostly. And if that truth rubs against your reality, good, that's what it's meant to do. 
And if you don't believe it, that's your choice. That's okay. But it doesn't change the fact that that is what the pillar of the Christian faith is. That we live in a broken world because of sin. Jesus came to bring us back to God so he can fix that brokenness within us. And so Paul is asking Timothy, he's saying, what I want you to do is I want you to train yourself in that truth so you don't get sidetracked by, by the myths and the wise tales of the time. Train yourself in the truth and then you won't be going down the wise, wise trial track. So it would be really easy for me to give you a Sunday school answer about how you can train yourself in the things of God. I can say, well... First of all, you've got to commit yourself to Jesus. You've got to read your Bible. You've got to pray. And you've got to, uh, um, you've got to work to being good. That's the Bible school answer. The problem with that answer is that when we have an understanding of training ourselves in godliness, we have the same understanding as we do with physical training, and it's different. Physical training says you've got to be self-disciplined. You've got to get yourself up. You've got to be motivated. You've got to go out. You've got to work until it hurts. And then you know that you're doing good, apparently. You've got to get up before sunrise, have a, a run around Mawson Lakes, take a picture, put it on Facebook, and make everybody else jealous. Someone in the congregation did that during the week. And that's a great thing. And my heart, as soon as I saw that picture, said, God bless you. I'm glad you love doing that, but there is no way in a pink fit that's me. We can take it like physical exercise that all we have to do is try harder. And and, and so what we do, we go, okay, well, I I feel like God is saying that I've got to get closer, so I'm going to try and pray. And and we sit there and we try and and we get motivated for a couple of days and then our motivation starts to drop off. Who's had a a gym membership like that? And then we start feeling guilty that we're not doing what we think God wants us to do and then we start going further away from God instead of entering the blessing that God wanted for us. We might feel like God is asking us to tackle an issue in our lives. And so we we go, okay, I've got to do something. So what we do is we strive to be better at it. And we strive and we strive and we hit day three, day four, week two, and all of a sudden we feel like we've strived until we can't do it anymore like my diet's. And we give up and we feel guilty because we feel like God has asked us to do it but somehow we failed. And that's because we have the mentality of spiritual training like the mentality of physical training. And I want to put to you this morning that if we want to train ourselves spiritually, if you want to get close to God, if there is something in the mashup of your spirituality that is not ringing true and you want to hook into the truth, then I'm going to say that What you don't need is more self-control or more self-discipline. What you need is more self-surrender. What you don't need is more self-control, even though that's a fruit of the Spirit, or more self-discipline. What you need is more self-surrender. So 
So what do I mean by that? Well, I mean this. That when we try and be more disciplined, when we try to exit our control, when the Spirit of God comes to us and says, you know what, I want you to pray more, I want you to read your Bible more, I want you to deal with this area of sin in your life, I want you to do this, when we try and do it out of self-control, what we're actually saying is, God, thanks for letting me know, but I've got it from here. God, thanks for letting me know that I'm sinful in this area, but now that you've shown it to me, I'm going to go to work and I'm going to get it done. And the reality is, is that we don't get it done. But the area of self-surrender is this. God, thank you for letting me know that sin. Now I'm going to need your help to get it <laughs> to change. I'm going to need your spirit to renew my mind and renew my heart, renew my motivations to get it done. And I'm going to sit back and I'm going to allow you to do the work in me. All I'm going to do is open the door and say, come and please clean up this mess. See the difference? One is us being God of the stuff that God wants us to deal with. And the other is letting God be God of the stuff that he wants to deal with in our lives. And so spiritual training is more about letting go than picking up. It's more about letting God be at work in your life than you being at work in your life. So many people I see come guilty going, Barry, I think God wants me to do this and I've tried and I just can't do it and now I'm feeling despondent and I don't know where God is and I don't know what God wants to do and, and my answer is always the same. Just give up. Give up and let God be God in your life. And that's the truth of faith. That the truth of the gospel is simply this. That we can't save ourselves. We need God to do it for us. And so we need God to come and rescue us. And we need to surrender to do that. So Paul, in his writing to Timothy, is saying, don't allow yourself just to drift in your spirituality. You've got to train yourself to be godly. And the way to train yourself to be godly is to continue to surrender your life and your attitudes and your desires into the hands of God. And trust that God is good. And trust that God is always working for your good. And so he goes on in verses 11 and 16. He goes like this. He says, Command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. A favourite one at youth camps. But set an example for the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith and in purity. There's a list. Set an example for believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith and in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to public reading of scriptures, to preaching and teaching. Do not neglect the gift which is given to you through a prophetic message. And we heard Kay experience that during the week. When the body of elders laid hands on you, be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. 
Watch your life and your doctrine closely. Preserve them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. So here Paul continues on saying with that reference of surrender, when you surrender, keep on surrendering until these things emerge in your life, in your speech, in your conduct, in your life, in your in your love, in your faith and in your purity. And if we were to take a moment, and maybe you'd like to do that now, and you were to ask yourself about your speech, or your love, or your conduct, or your faith, or your purity... What things would come to mind that God wants you to deal with? If you were to take a moment right now and say, God, where is my speech? Where is my conduct? Where is my love? Where is my faith? Where is my purity? And what I don't want you to do is feel guilty that there is one of those areas that you need to deal with. What I want you to know that if you are feeling somehow like there is something amiss there, that God wants to deal with it for you. When I came to this church two years ago, uh, God uh, challenged me on my speech. And particularly my sarcasm, because I have a really good gift for being sarcastic. And God said to me, Barry... I want to deal with your sarcasm. Now, God's dealt with my speech before. When I was a young man, I used to work on building sites and God said, Barry, I want you to stop swearing. And it took me two years to stop swearing. But when God said to me, Barry, I want you to deal with your sarcasm because it's not helpful for your ministry because it's not providing the fruitfulness in your life that I want to see, I said, God, I don't know how to do that. And so I applied this principle of surrender and I said, God, I, I, uh, I don't know how to do it. You come in and you work out. And I've noticed over time I'm slowly becoming more sarcastic. No, less sarcastic. I was just wondering if you were hearing. No, actually that was a slip. And Friday I, I had my day off and I was driving in the car. Well, Kelly was driving and I was a passenger and... And uh, we were travelling to her favourite coffee shop on the way to the house that we're renovating it, and that was Bunnings. Uh, that's the coffee shop she likes to go to. It's a very expensive coffee shop for me, can I say. And as she was, we were having a conversation as she was driving, oh, I could feel this welling up of sarcasm in me. Every comment that I was sending back to Kelly was sarcastic. Poor lady, I don't know how she puts up with me. And as we were just about to turn off the, the highway on, on, to go into her favourite coffee shop, I felt my, felt my spirit say, Barry, what are you doing? And, and, and right there I, I said a prayer, you know what, God, I don't want to be this way. This is not who I want to be. Please, God, come in again and continue the work to get this out of my life. And maybe you need to do this as well. 
in something of your speech or in your conduct or in your love or lack of it in, in your area of faith or purity. Maybe there's something in you that you know is not meant to be there and you need God's help in bringing it to the point. God doesn't want you to feel guilty. God wants to come in and deal with it. And the only way that he can deal with it is through the power of surrender. And as we surrender and as we ask God to renew our hearts and our minds, then we'll find ourselves spending time doing things that are productive, that build into those things. We'll find ourselves having correction from God from time to time and we'll set goals and have a motivation to be better. But it takes a renewing of your heart and your mind and only God can do that and only God can do that when you stop trying to do it yourself and let him do it for you. So if there's something in you that says, I wish I could pray more, I wish I had a deeper relationship with God, then stop trying to do it in your own strength and simply say, God, teach me how to pray. Teach me how to do this. I have no idea how to do this. Teach me. I surrender my will to you and let it go. So this morning I want to encourage you to give up. And maybe you've had a spirituality that's been mashed up together, you've pulled it from different parts of your life. Maybe you need to give that up and God's calling you to enter into his family and into his kingdom. Maybe. Maybe there's an area of speech, faith, love, commitment. Maybe you're not loving your spouse the way you should. Maybe you're not speaking to people the way that you think that you'd really like to. Maybe you need to surrender and say, God, I need help in this area because God is our saviour and God is our help. Today, I just want to put to you that simple principle of giving up and not doing it yourself and rest in God and allow God to do the amazing work in you that needs to happen. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you love each and every one of us. Whether we believe in you or not, while we were still sinners, the Bible says, you sent your son to save us. And so, Lord, I pray for those people now that your spirit has been at work at. And I ask, Lord, that they will enter into the surrender of saying, God, I give up. Please come and do a work in my life. So, Lord, bless us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.